Okay, so we got to do a little bit of a little bit of review from last week. So, if you remember, last week I talked about how uh, Jesus has these big crowds following him, right? And then he kind of like he sees the crowds and he has this little act of faith uh, or this little test of faith where he he sees the crowds and he goes up the mountain, right? And it's not everyone that follows him, but only his disciples are the ones who follow him. So it's, it's really important for us to remember that the Sermon on the Mount, which we're hearing from this week, last week, and for the next two Sundays, the Sermon on the Mount is preached to people who are disciples of Jesus, not members of the crowd, but people who have a firm commitment to him, right? Dis disciples are different. And maybe this is, this is something different than what we normally talk about. It, it seems like maybe we, we normally talk about, well, everyone's a disciple, but, but I, think, I think that's not true. Uh, disciples of Jesus are different than mere followers of Jesus. Although maybe originally in the early stages of Christianity, they, they were synonymous. They, they, they meant the same thing. But what's clear is that over time, they've turned into different things. Now we have, we have some Christians who are not really disciples of Jesus. A lot of Christians who are not really disciples of Jesus because a disciple is somebody, it's not, not somebody who just simply says that they believe in Jesus, but that they're so committed to him that they'll go wherever he goes, they'll, they'll believe whatever he says, they'll, they'll surrender to whatever he tells them to surrender to. So a, a disciple of Jesus, if, if they find that, that Jesus or his church teaches something that they disagree with, a disciple says, I'm committed to you, Jesus. So even though this thing I might naturally disagree with, I'm willing and ready to set my opinion aside, my preference aside, to surrender to what you want. Right, so that's, that's a really big distinction. Whereas maybe, maybe we could say mere followers or members of the crowd are saying, okay, I, I like Jesus. I'm, I think there's something exciting about him. But at, when, when push comes to shove, I'm ultimately gonna, I'm gonna do what I wanna do and I'm gonna cling to what my preference is. So if there's something that I disagree with, I'm gonna say, well, that one doesn't apply to me. Or, or Jesus needs to change or the church needs to change, right? That's, that's a mere follower compared to a disciple. So the Sermon on the Mount, this is, this is important because Jesus preaching to his disciples, he's telling his disciples, okay, great, you want to be a disciple, this is how you do it. This is the mentality that you need to take on. These are the actions that you need to take on. These are the beliefs that you need to take on. And if, if you don't take them on, then okay, fine, you're, but that, that means you're not a disciple, right? So this is how to be my disciple. And I mentioned last week that that. For a person who's not a disciple of Jesus, there are many things in the Sermon on the Mount, for those people, it would seem offensive or hard or, or too, too much, too excessive, right? And we talked about this last week, how Jesus, in the Beatitudes, for example, those, those things that we all just kind of take for granted, like, oh, aren't they so nice? But to really look at them and see, like, Jesus calls blessed those who are, are mourning, for example, which nobody likes to mourn. So isn't it strange that Jesus is calling these people the blessed ones or, or those who recognize their poverty, their poverty before God, their poverty before others, poverty, right? Blessed are those who are poor, right? Which is like, again, not something that's naturally attractive. Next week, we're going to get into some really, really difficult things that, that are really not attractive to, to people who are not disciples of Jesus, right? So, so if a person's not a disciple, it's like, okay, this is, this is too much. Too much. In fact, our gospel passage, which we'll look at more in a minute, but, but listen again to what Jesus says here. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything 
but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, okay, if you're, if you're not salt, which we'll talk about what that means in a minute, but if you're not salt, you're good for nothing. So someone who's not a disciple of Jesus is going to hear this and just say, wow, that is, that is really harsh. But for a person who's a disciple of Jesus, that person is, is thinking like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. Jesus, who I, I understand, Jesus, like, he's not just a man, he's God, right? And so I'm committed to him because he's God. And, and what's more, it's not just that I'm committed, but that, that somehow, for some reason, he's committed to me. And, and he shares his mind with me. He shares his thoughts with me, his teachings with me, not just so that I can hear him speak, but so that I can actually take those things into my life. This is unbelievable, right? It's, it's like, how, how does this happen that, that I have such a gift to, to be called into sharing life with Jesus, who is God, and becoming like Jesus, who is God, which means, how does this work that, that right, I get to become like God? This is incredible. For a disciple of Jesus, this is, the Sermon on the Mount is, is the most incredible thing because Jesus is saying, look, this is how you can become more like me. If you take on this mentality, if you take on these teachings, if you take on these thoughts, this is how you can become like me. And so, so there's something that happens inside a person when he or she decides to become a disciple of Jesus, a firm commitment to him, that, that something is ignited in that person's heart. Right, so to try, to think, try to think of it like this, that, that your heart is like a wick in a candle, right? And if a candle is not lit, the wick is just waiting to be lit. But, but if, if, the, if it's not lit, then the wax around the wick is hard, right? You can't, it takes some effort to really cut into it. But once that wick is lit, then, then things start to melt, right? It becomes more malleable, more formable, we could say. So if my heart is like the wick, then the, the, the only thing that can light my heart up, that can make it not cold, is the love, the burning love that comes from the sacred heart of Jesus, right? Think of that image of the sacred heart of Jesus, where, where it's just on fire with the divine love. And so for me to become a disciple, it, it's this moment where I allow the flame that comes from the heart of Jesus to, to, to light the wick of my heart, so that my heart is no longer cold, it's no longer stubborn, it's no longer hard, but now it begins to burn with the flame of God's love. And, and, and as this happens, this is the thing, as this happens, I recognize, it's like my eyes are opened, and I see that this is the very thing that God made me to do, is to let Him set my heart on fire. And, and I recognize this, that that. For anyone who's, who's unwilling to get to this point, for anyone who's not a disciple, there's, there's something about it that as long as I cling to my own ideas and my own thoughts, there's something inside of me that's always going to be dissatisfied. As long, and, and this is the case even for people who come to Mass every week, right? You've heard me say this before, that not everyone who comes to Mass every week is a disciple. And I don't, I don't know you all in a day-to-day -day personal life as well as maybe, maybe I could or as well as I'd like to. And so I don't actually know who in here is necessarily a disciple of Jesus and who's not. But I can imagine a person coming to Mass week after week after week if you're not a disciple. And sure, sometimes maybe there's passages that you're like, yeah, right, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. But then there are certainly going to be times where there are passages from the Bible or teachings, doctrines of the church that you just disagree with. And so what's going to happen? You're just going to be dissatisfied. You're going to be angry. You're going to be unsettled. 
right? This is the, the kind of thing. But, but for people who are disciples, this is like, even though sometimes teachings might be difficult, there's a sense of, no, but I know who Jesus is and I've surrendered my life to him. And so even if this teaching or that is difficult, I've surrendered to it. And, and so I recognize like, this is what I'm made for. And this is true, brothers and sisters, that we're made for this. We're made to surrender our lives to God, to let him form us, to let him teach us, to let him guide us. We're made to surrender everything to him. And until we do that, we're gonna be dissatisfied. And so I, I, before we go any further, I just really encourage you, if, if you haven't yet made that decision to surrender yourself to Jesus, to all of his teachings, to the teachings of his church, if you haven't yet made that decision, I can't encourage you enough to make that decision, to just like give up, right? To give up the fight and not resist him any longer, but instead to surrender everything to him and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything you teach, I don't always agree with everything you teach, but I know who you are, and I know that you're the only one who can bring God's blessing into my life. You're the only one who can lead me into eternity, so I surrender to you. Right? If, if I have that mentality, then not only can I read the Sermon on the Mount, not only can I read all the Gospels, not only can I read the letters of St. Paul and the rest of the New Testament, I can, I can also understand and read, or maybe not understand, but I can read the teachings, the doctrines of the church. I, I can do anything, right? If I have that mentality where I am, I am clinging to Jesus and to him alone, then whatever he says, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to listen. Wherever he goes, I'm ready to go. Whatever he does, I'm ready to watch and take that all into my life. Okay, now what, what is he saying this week, right? What is he saying? Ultimately, what he's saying is your life is no longer about you. If you're going to be my disciple, he's saying, your life is not about you. Listen again to what he says, right? You are the salt of the earth. What, is, what does salt do? Well, if, if you have food that's bland and you put salt on it, what happens? The flavor is elevated. So for you to be salt, it means that you are meant to elevate the flavor of life for the people around you. Which means your life's not about you. It means your focus needs to be on, am I elevating? Am I helping people so that they maybe, maybe aren't even aware of it, but they're having thoughts that just say, gosh, I don't know what it is about that person, but when he's around, when she's around, things just seem better. Life just tastes better when this person is around. That's what it is to be the salt of the earth. Think about that. Is this how you approach your life? You are to be light for the world. What does light do? Well, if we were here at midnight and we had the lights turned off, you couldn't see anything, obviously, right? You turn the lights on, what happens? You see more clearly. Light makes things clear. So just like with salt, you're meant to elevate the flavor of life for the people around you. So as light, you are meant to help people around you see things more clearly, which again means your life isn't about you. Your focus isn't to be on yourself. And I know that this is different, and this is something that, that I, I'm, I myself struggle with, right? That, that, that our typical way of looking at things, of approaching a situation, an interaction, whatever it is, our typical way is that we, we live in a selfish culture. And so we tend to ask ourselves questions like, well, what's this gonna cost me? Am I gonna get anything out of it? And if it's gonna cost me what I think is too much, or, or if I'm not gonna get enough out of it, then I just simply won't engage. I'll disengage, in fact. Right? Because we live in a selfish culture, this is something that maybe not all of us have, and I think, I think maybe in a special way or a particular way, parents are really good at kind of like not living in this place, but, but that doesn't mean that you're totally exempt from it, right? Um, 
because there's something natural about having to give yourself to your children. But, but nonetheless, right? We live in this culture, and so these are the questions. But instead, what if our mentality was, was this? Every day you wake up, every moment of the day, you just have this thought to yourself. How can I bring God's blessing to the people around me? How can I bring God's divine favor to this person or to that person? Who in my life would really benefit from being touched by God's grace, and how can I bring that to them? Just take a minute and think about this, right? Jesus gives his power, his power which heals, his power which teaches with authority, his power which casts out demons. He gives that power to all of his disciples. Maybe not in always an equal measure, but nonetheless, he gives the power to his disciples to bring God's divine favor into other people's lives. People who maybe normally wouldn't have any encounters with him. So that by us bringing the blessing of God into other people's lives, he says what? So that others may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. Do you see the power that you have actually? It's an incredible responsibility, sure. And, it, and that maybe that can weigh, weigh heavy on somebody. But just to recognize, like, Jesus trusts you with that. He gives you that ability. And it's not just that he gives it, but what does he say? He says, your light must shine. It must. It needs to. Why? Because, because without you, if you're a disciple, without you, there's, there's no one else makes me think of a story. So before I went to seminary to become a priest, I used to work for, uh, I went to college at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities, and I used to work for the Gophers football team as a student equipment manager. And so I would help out at games on the sidelines and I practice and all this stuff. And uh, the, team, the team was really bad that year. Um, and anyway, so uh, one game, I remember this, all of our, our linebackers, one of the defensive uh, groups, all of them except one was injured and so couldn't play in the game. And so there was this one guy who basically was forced to play the entire game. If he didn't play, we had no one from his position group on the field, which is a pretty important group. And I remember at one point during the game, he was exhausted and, and kind of wanted to come out. And I remember the linebackers coach, he just looked at him with his arms out and yelling, we have no one else. We have no one else, as though he was implying to him, look, I understand you're tired, but I need you to dig deep a little bit and give a little bit more. And as I, as I think of that story, I think of this. I think of Jesus, right, who's, who's speaking to his disciples. Again, not everyone who was in the crowd stepped out. So it's, it's a smaller group than the group that was following him. And I imagine him just simply holding out his arms and saying, the world has no one else but you. You are the salt. Not you are a salt. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. There is no one else. And so I understand the temptation to think selfishly. I understand the temptation to hold something back for yourself. But I need you to dig deep with my grace that I give to you and give yourself entirely. We could also look at it from the world's perspective, right? Just think of the world right now. Think of how many people in the world that, that don't have Jesus, right? So many people are angry, resentful, bitter. So many people are stuck in worlds of anxiety and depression, despair. We're more divided maybe than we've ever been before. You can imagine the world looking around saying, we have nobody to look to. We are just longing for someone to come and make life palatable for us, let alone making it taste good. We're just longing to have someone come along and make things seem more clear to us. We have no one. And so you end up with Jesus 
and the world alike, looking to his disciples, just saying, we need you. We need you. And if disciples of Jesus don't stand up or don't step forward as his disciples, then what happens is the world ends up offering counterfeit lights and counterfeit salt. Just last night, I was, I was in Frazee, and as I was driving from Frazee to, to come home to Oakley, you have to go through Detroit Lakes. And just before you get to Detroit Lakes on Highway 10, there's this big billboard that, uh, that just has big words that says, you are loved. And when I read the words, I think, oh man, that's so nice. Like someone's trying to communicate God's love. Except then the picture next to it is a picture of a State Farm insurance agent. And it's like, what happened to the world that the only way that people can even find out that they are loved is from an insurance agent. An insurance agent who really is only there when you need him. When in fact, disciples of Jesus, the very message that we're sent out to communicate is that we have a God who loves us, whether we want him or not, whether we need him or not, and who is always with us. This is the thing, brothers and sisters. We don't need insurance agents in the world. What we need are disciples of Jesus who are willing to step forward, to step out of the crowd, to go to the world and be salt and light, to elevate the flavor of life, to make things seem more clear. And that as you do this, people will turn to God. Just think about this. You were born for this time, for this age, for these people, the people in your life, and also the people that you just encounter with who maybe aren't a part of your life. You were born for that. Jesus has called you, and you specifically, to step out of the crowd to become one of his disciples and to bring salt and light to the people around you. And if you don't do it, you just got to imagine him holding his arms out to you and saying, there's no one else but you for the mission that I have called you to have. And this is the thing, it's the last thing, that when we live in this place, when we live in this place of discipleship, being salt and light for the people around us, it's then that we become the very people that we were made to be. And when we are the very people that we're made to be, what happens? We literally become like Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, we share not just in the satisfaction that the world can offer us, but we actually see that the satisfaction the world offers is just counterfeit. We actually share in the very satisfaction of God himself, which is eternal, which is lasting, and which doesn't ever leave you hungry or in darkness.